0: Uh, it's just beautiful you know and uh, yeah, it of been there 20 years
1: something like that well maybe paint a picture of Adelaide Hills and South Australia on a wine sense as well because I mean not, I don't think many people here would have been there so it's it's a it's a hard to sort of picture it if you've never been there so just paint us a picture okay. of I uh, mean yeah. because you've worked in different uh, areas in South Australia obviously around the world as well but um, yeah, yeah talk to us about Adelaide yeah. Hills in context with the, the rest of South Australia.
0: okay so uh, you know Australia. So down, if you don't know, South Australia's in the south. That's the bottom part. And uh, Adelaide's right in the middle on the coast. And Adelaide Hills is like about, you know, half an hour straight up. We're surrounded by these hills. And, you know, not being biased, but it is the most beautiful little section of um, vineyard, brine growing area in, the, in, in Australia, I think. It's just lots of little windy roads and quite steep, lots of trees, you know, lots of wildlife, little streams... Um, but we're very close to the city, you know, like I can uh, sort of have a, you know, hankering for a bowl of fur and I can jump in my car, drive down, pick one up, even get a stubby of beer on the way home and be back within the hour and eating my bowl of fur. So it's, you know, near the city, beautiful, but you have this gorgeous, um, I don't know, just environment. And it's, it's quite a young region. Uh, Adelaide Hills, uh, you know, the first vines were planted in the 1980s. Um, So. They're only just sort of coming into fruition and you know showing their sort of uh, the goodness you could say, um, but in relative to the other primary areas, um, you go an hour north. Uh, that's the Barossa Valley, which you know everyone's pretty much uh, heard of, and um, so you know that's the big end of town. That's where you know the the big sort of masculine, big boy sort of wines come from. Uh, same with. Uh, McLaren Vale, which is on the coast, which is south. There, there again, you know, sort of renowned for sort of bigger, rustic sort of wines. Um, so yeah, we're sort of the little gay section in the middle, Adelaide Hills, and that's you know, colourful. Nice, very colourful, darling. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And um, so yeah, you know, at South Australia, it's it's probably it's the main region for wine growing in Australia. And um, there's a couple of other areas in Victoria, which is towards the east, Margaret River. Um, to the, yeah, to the west, east, uh, yeah, Victoria, and then some other areas like the Hunter Valley, which shouldn't be a wine-growing region at all, but they they planted vines there for some reason. And...
1: Nice and controversial in the snow, I like it. Yeah. So, you're talking about Adelaide Hills. We're we talking about hills or mountains, or what sort of altitude are we looking at? Uh,
0: about 700 metres above sea level is the you know sort of highest little bit. So yeah, it's not not crazy stuff, but um, enough to. Um, you know, it's a cool, It's the coolest climate, um, uh, a lot lot more humidity, a lot more rainfall, um, and yeah, so, you know, it's good for Pinot Noir Chardonnay, but, you know, what, what I'm finding, I mean, for me, you know, the jewel and the crown of the Adelaide Hills is Chardonnay, um, but then Syrah is, you know, sort of coming in where I, I sort of love those, you know, northern rainy, so, you know, real white peppery types of uh, Syrahs, not the big heavy jammy ones, say, that would come from uh, the Barossa. So, I mean, for example, this little Syrah is 11.2% alcohol, you know, so super gay,
1: beautiful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, what soil, I mean, just to give, get some facts on the, on the ground, what soil types are you looking at in, in Adelaide Hills? What sort of, um, what are you playing with there?
0: Uh, uh, it, it's, it ranges right through the hills, and I've got to admit, um, I feel like a bit of a fuck when it comes to soils, especially after talking to these amazing uh, sportland men, uh, you know they're so in touch with their soils. I know I've, I've learned more about uh, you know geology uh, in the last four days than in my life. I think you know, and so. Uh, but now we're, so, we're sort of looking at you know a lot of clay, you know a bit of um, sandstone, and um, there's some ironstone. It it all sort of changes. You know the depth of the soil um, and. Uh, Hence, you know, it's very size-specific, safer, Pinot Noir. Um, so, um, you know, you, you can get a little a little plot which makes gorgeous Pinot that has a lot of pinosity, or you can make, you know, boring, dumb, fuck, dry red that, you know, is uh, hopefully not what we... Oh, we've got Pinot today. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes she works, sometimes she not. And,
1: yeah. Cool. Well, we are talking about the place. Let's talk about you for a bit and your journey yes. into wine. That's, um yeah. Well, how did you get into it?
0: Right. What, what well,
1: did you? Yeah. Uh, you were playing in a punk band in the in the nineties.
0: I did have a misspent youth, uh, yeah. playing in punk bands, and um, he's a bass, like, bass
1: player too. Bass
0: player, yeah. singer, and uh, yeah, it's good. Good times, you know. Like it destroyed a lot of brain cells. Um, was, uh, we had a couple of albums out to around the city, uh, not city, the, the country, and uh, played on festivals. Great fun, um, but it was sort of one of those little sections in my life where. So, you know, should I keep going there? Uh, or at the same time, I was working in vineyards, working hard, you know, in the hot sun, doing quite menial work, that sort of learning, um, and, you know, trying to think, yeah, I just want to be a superstar rock star and, you know, not have to work and stuff. But at the time, um, you know, I'll tell you the truth here, this is, you know, we're all sort of going to be intimate. i friends. Of course, yeah. But, you know, the old guitarist, he, was, he loved this stuff called heroin, and, you uh, and I was sort of, you know, not sort of going down that way. And we, so we sort of go on different routes. I was working hard in the vineyard; he was not. And so we split up. And luckily for heroin, it made me sort of focus on the vineyards and, uh, you know, working. Hmm. Where was I? Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, that's my misspent youth. What happened was, my my uh, Akota is a, it's a Ukrainian name. It means, you know, roughly translated, desire or hunt. But uh, my grandparents, both sides. Um, emigrated from the Ukraine just after the Second World War, and uh, my grandfather planted a vineyard in the Clare Valley, which is sort of two hours north of uh, Adelaide, um, and just used to sell it to the cooperatives, um, and so, yeah, my, my youth was spent a lot of time sitting on his lap on the tractor, uh, you know, harvest, we'd be picking grapes, um, you know, training, helping out, and, but it wasn't sort of in the family, he passed away when I was about 15, they sold the vineyard, so it sort of... You know, there was a bit of a taste there, um, so I was, I was always interested in it. Um, I was always interested in, you know, my dad and, and grandfather, you know, drinking, you know, meniscus full glasses of whatever they made, and you know, I thought, wow, it's quite, and that was quite interesting on the tractor afterwards, you know, after lunchtime. <laughs> and uh, but um, I think, uh, yeah, that sort of just planted a seed. Uh, it wasn't in the family at all. But when I finished high school, I went to university, studied hospitality management, did a degree in that. But halfway through i realized i hated customers so you know hospitality not liking customers not doesn't really go out well so i did all the wine subjects um, and uh, you know really loved that so when i when i finished all my colleagues went out and worked in um you know fancy uh you know hotels around the world as food and beverage managers i went out and just worked in a pruning going of 20 other psychotics um you know just smoking dope listening to their walkmans and but i loved it because i was out there in nature you know, magpies flying around, uh, you know, a little thermos of tea, a little sandwich, but you were working with your hands. I didn't have to shave, I didn't have to iron my shirt, you know, that was a big problem for me back then. And, um, and it just sort of grew from there. So I started from the, from the you know, doing quite menial basic work, hoeing weeds, you know, shoot thinning, um, and then sort of went into more vineyard management. I, I met a guy who sort of then started developing vineyards in the Adelaide Hills through the 90s, where you know, every doctor and lawyer wanted a vineyard, so we were quite busy, um, and just learned a lot there. Uh, but it was pretty hard, backbreaking work, as you know, uh, working in vineyards. So I went back to university, studied enology, which is the science of wine, um, and can't remember anything, but, uh, you know, I've got that piece of paper. And, and um, then, yeah, started just doing vintages back and forth. So I, I would do a vintage uh, in Australia, Go to California.
1: Sorry, what, what year are we here
0: now? Uh, we're looking... Yeah, like, uh, mid-90s. Yeah. Mid-90s, yeah. So, you know, I'm an old man. I'm 48, you know, so this is all the grigios here. Um, but I, uh, yeah, started just doing harvests, uh, you know, vintages um, in the Northern Hemisphere, mainly California. Um, worked for different producers there. Um, that were very influential on, um, you know, sort of really getting me excited about this industry. Um, so... But back then, you know, being young, I mean, really, it was all about. I had a, you know, you know, Volkswagen combi vans, you know, the, you know, that was, um, I had one in Australia and, and I bought an old shitty one in um, California. So I would do a harvest in Australia, finish that, get paid, just go surfing, then go to California, work, get paid, just go surfing. And I did that just years and years. Um, and then I thought, shit, I better, you know, go back. And that's when I went back and studied. And then, yeah, just started working with different producers like uh, Two Hands in the Barossa, um, Nepenthe in the Adelaide Hills as well. You know, so I was just making wine for them. And then I got a job uh, in uh, for a Swedish company um, as their flying winemaker. So I, I was living in Sweden, employed by this company uh, based in Stockholm. But we lived in this little fishing village in the south of uh, Sweden uh, where they set up like a full bottling facility where we'd you know, we'd filter the wine, cold stabilise it. Um, but I would go down, say, to my first job was uh, to go down to Puglia um, in, you know, sort of southern Italy, which is sort of the tip of the hill. And my job was to make a million litres of Chardonnay. Uh, and because... And well, I've got to say, I did lie a little bit on my resume, um, you know, sort of might have embellished on it. So I got this amazing job from just, you know, doing small wine making stuff. Uh, so, yeah, my first job, making million litres Chardonnay and Puglia and then Sicily, you know, making uh, um, half a million litres of Negromaro. And all this wine was getting shipped back to Sweden where we would bottle it and it was for the Scandian, Scandinavian market. So i learned how to, I sort of sold my soul, um, I suppose, because it was really well paid traveling around Europe, uh, pretending to know what I was doing. Um, But that then, you know, because making so much wine, you know, you sort of lose touch. And so I really wanted to make something with my hands and not add things because I was adding a lot of things to wine to, you know, make it right. Because you don't want to fuck up a million-litre batch of Chardonnay, let me tell you. And uh, so doing things by the book. Uh, But then I really wanted to sort of, you know, come back to... Australia, work with my hands, make small batches, and take a more holistic approach, and and you know not not uh, you know manipulate the wines, just sort of work with the dirt. Mm.
1: And and how did how did that sort of idea come about? I mean, was it sort of uh, was it osmosis was it over time? You had exposure to other styles of wines that were doing that, or did you intrinsically know that that was where you'd end up in the end, or no, had no, that process take place?
0: It sort of just slowly developed. I suppose, I suppose you start learning about wine, you know, wines and you know different, you know, uh, farming practices, biodynamic. But not that I know jack shit about that, but you know, just the idea of not adding, you know, chemicals. And I mean, it. Can't, I, you know, my children, for example, I've got a two-year-old, five-year-old. And you know they go into our vegetable patch and uh, just you know grab a little tomato, grab a bit of fennel, you know, and they just stuff it in their mouth and they, they sort of sit in the garden just having lunch. And you know I don't want to say stop, you know, go wash that fruit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so it's sort of same idea with um, the growing of the grapes. You know, I drink shitloads of my wine, I love it. My dad does. Uh, you know, my friends, my family, you know, just customers. So I don't want to. You know, it's the same idea. It's not a marketing. Um, point to do things organically it's just you know just don't want those you know sort of nasty chemicals if you don't need them so that's I suppose how it came about and then just getting influenced by different people um, that you meet around the world and and talking to them and and seeing nuances in wine that you know it's wines that have a bit more energy that a bit more um, you know uh, interest and flavor they're not just sort of your 101 made wines although i got to say you know there, there's a level you know of uh you know and extremities in say the winemaking where things are like whoa that's mm-hmm. like vinegar fuck that you know i don't want to get stuck in all that i like wines of purity that really represent the dirt so I, i'm a bit square in my winemaking and uh, but then i still love interest so yeah i suppose it's
1: Okay. Uh, and your it? first vintage of Akota Barrels was two thousand and eight. Okay. And it's a family concern, isn't it? It's not just you. There's
0: uh, just my yeah. wife and I. Yeah. 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 So we. I mean, I started two thousand and eight with because uh, this is while I was still making wine for other people. Um, had a you know started with two tons of the the Fagazi Grenache. Um, you know this vineyard was a I, I'm you know making wine for other people. I'd go down to McLaren Bowl, Had a couple of different vineyards that I was working with for making wine for other people and. I'd see this little vineyard driving for a surf and it was dry grown. You know, I mean, talking trunks like this little bush vines, dry grown on ironstone. And, you know, it 40 degree day, had been a heat wave. And these little Grenache vines, their leaves are like, you know, oh, green, gorgeous little things photosynthesizing beautifully. And so I was quite intrigued by that, where, you know, all the other vineyards would be sort of drooping and basil leaves yellowing off. And uh, so I pulled over. Met this guy, said, "I oh, look, can, you know, his, it was his vineyard, can I, can I grab a few tons? And we started that year in LA, okay. two tons, next year four tons, next year eight tons, and sort of went up, and uh, now we're at the last five years, still about 50 tons. So that's about, I don't know, 45,000 bottles or so, so pretty small, but it's just my wife and I. My dad, he's teacher, retired, he helps me out a bit, and I get one mate to help me during harvest, and uh, yeah keep
1: it pretty simple. Oh, cool. And sort of winemaking wise, where are you at with that? I mean, obviously you said you're, you're a little bit square, but where do you, what's uh, your philosophy, your overguiding principles there? Or right. Well, or so yeah, it, I mean, obviously delicious wine first and foremost, That's the, that's
0: That's the key, you know, so, um, I suppose that there was a, in Australia the last five five years or so, there's been a real, you know, with the natural wine movement sort of, uh, and especially in my, I mean, my little area, Basket Range, I would say 90% of the natural winemakers of Australia are within three kilometres of where I live. You know, there's just this sort of little, sort of bit of a hippie community and, you know, our little primary school is a Steiner stream and, you know, we're just young families and, you know, that same idea of, you know, growing those vegetables organically and, uh, you know, some are very, you know, they, they sort of push that hardcore natural thing as a marketing aspect, but some, like myself, just do it because it just, just seems right. So. Uh,
1: what was it? Question. <laughs> that's all right. You can whatever question you think I want. I yeah, yeah. Okay. that's fine. My brain cells. That's uh, no, okay. Well, maybe maybe um, let's chat about the wines in the glass in front of us. Okay. Bit. Oh no, uh, that's
0: right. That's about the winemaking, right? So yeah, so organically farmed, You know, no nasties. I generally pick early. So you know, Australian wine. There's a there's a lot of high alcohol, big, ripe, right, rich. You know, wines that are you know heading for big points. Uh, not interested in that at all. Just want wines that are pretty and elegant, and feminine. Um, definitely have a nervous tension, and, and that nervous tension comes from natural acidity. You don't get that from bag acid. You, you know, that sort of wet pebble character that actually makes your saliva pulse. I don't know if you, you know, you're getting hungry now. You know, have a bit of a sip, and you know, your little saliva glands are pulsing. You're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind a bit of a snack. Um, that's the idea. You know, that sort of freshness, that nervous tension, was sort of what I was after. So that's from picking early. Um, we do a whole, lot of whole bunches because I don't like picking, uh, cleaning the. Crusher, well it takes ages, that's, you know, less time drinking beer at the end of the day, you know, we have to factor all these things in, so, but whole bunches, they, you know, I love what they contribute to the aromatics, um, also there's, you know, the, the consideration of, you know, the stalks adding tannins or phenolics, you know, it's another form of preservation, um, and uh, very, I suppose, under-extracted style, so I don't have any heating or cooling, um, I just use small old French bricks and um, just half ton ferments and um, so and I, u- I don't I don't chill my wines I don't cold soak it, I don't macerate because we do wild ferments so natural yeast and I just want them to go dry no bucking around no VA no hassles so I don't cool anything I'd straight out into the sun sits out there with a the little sheet and the yeast just are in this you know orgy a Turkish Happy bath course. just good times just fermenting dry <laughs> And uh, there it goes your melo, and then I, you know, I'll, I'll sort of, you know, I'm very, every decision is made from me tasting it. Um, and uh, I'm generally at that point looking at the, you know, sort of the, the, the structural profile. Um, and then, yeah, just press it straight to these old barrels and as soon as they're dry, into the back of the winery, which is a bit cooler. But I use the sun, just, you know, nice warm, hot ferments, get them dry, get them through go on holiday, you know,
1: that's sort of idea. You know, so Holidays are
0: important as well, for uh, you as well. Very, yes, I mean, this uh, this whole thing that I'm doing is, you know, um, you asked me the other day, so, what, you know, what, what's important to you? And I think my answer is nothing, um, but what it really is is lifestyle, you know, it's, uh, you know, I love making wine, I, you know, I love, the, you know, the sort of little style that I've developed, um, but it, it's really about lifestyle, to be honest, you know, like, you know, wine mine, it's just a drink, you know, I'm not solving world peace, you know, it's, you know, it's just a drink, man. Huh? Just relax. So what am I doing here anyway? <laughs> and, and
1: if it's good, drink more. If it's bad, drink something else.
0: Yes, that's right. Gin, <laughs> gin's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But yeah, so so the style is, I suppose, you know, very clean, clean styles of wine. And that, that's why I do these ferments quite warm. I just, I don't want uh, any, you know, volatile, volatile acidity. I do add sulphur. I love sulphur. You know, um, I've, I've done a lot of trials, we're using, uh, you know, a lot of sulphur-free wines, and it's just a personal thing. Uh, I, I always prefer the ones with a little bit of sulphur. I Only had like 20 parts, but it uh, sort of tightens the wine up. It just—it's a pre- pres- preservative. It just, you know, gets that little red fruit balls, you know, little red bullets sort of shooting into your mouth, and uh, it makes me sleep well at night. I don't have to worry about mousiness. Now, I don't know if you, any of you are familiar with mousiness. It is. Fucking awful! Like, you can it explain that if you like. It's me. Oh my god, buddy. If you have a you mousy wine, right, half an hour later, I can't taste anything but this awful characteristic, which only seventy percent of the population can pick up. It's it's a pH dependent in your mouth. Anyway, something that is I'm really anti. So that that's probably one of the main reasons I had a little bit of salt.
1: Why is it called mousiness? I don't know. It's a, Does It tastes like you've got a dead mouse in your mouth.
0: It's bottom bottom of a mouse cage, yeah. licking that. Imagine that. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, it's a problem with uh, you know making uh, wines without sulphur If you don't know what you're doing, and even though I've been making, wine, this is my 26th vintage, I have to say I still don't know what I'm doing. You know, like um, uh, some people, you know, that are really fastidious about not adding sulphur, they've gone to extents to sort of eliminate this in certain ways, like picking early, having lower pHs, less dissolved oxygen. You know, I do all that, but I just uh, yeah, just want to sleep right well now, and uh, yeah. So. <laughs> In his lifestyle.
1: You know. Now, you started by buying grapes and now you've got some vineyards yourself?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. So predominantly it's it's bought through a little handshake agreement with old friends. Um, and, uh, you know, I have, I have some input into the way that the vineyards manage. We, we work together. But there are some that I don't. Like, for example, the Fagazi vineyard Grenache, um, this guy that I met when I approached him, he planted this vineyard when he was 17 years old. Uh, he's now 88, so that was 1947, and um, so for me to come in and little dickhead whippersnapper winemaker, hey, uh, let's uh, change this, you know, that guy, I'm like, yeah, whatever, mate,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I'll just be at the pub, so, um, and yeah, he's just a, an old, an old guy, an old farmer that, you know, he, he's intimate with it, so, but then there's some other guys, friends of mine that are a bit retarded, I have to, you know, hold their hands. Um, but yeah, so I did plant my own little vineyard on our property, um, Gamay, I love Gamay, I love Beaujolais, um, so it's a close planted, um, sing, you know, little stakes, steep, it's a stupid idea really, but you know, I just, uh, I don't know why I did it, but because every, yeah, you have your own vineyard, like all these guys, they love planting grapes, uh, and it's a beautiful feeling, but when I sit you know, around my pool, having a gin and tonic, I look up there and go, fuck, I should be up there doing stuff, and like, you know, so I sort of <laughs> stuffed up that lifestyle thing again, so. But no, it'll be fine one day, you know, when, um, it, it's, yeah, no, I'm no only joking, no, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, I'd love to have more vineyards, and, and, uh, but it's tricky, you know, like, land's really expensive, fruit, I mean, for example, a, a ton of grapes is, uh, I pay, you That's know, three and a half thousand dollars, Australian dollars, which is, Thirty five thousand Yeah, thirty five thousand Rand, 10. Yeah, yeah, rand for a ton of grapes. And uh, so yeah, it gets yeah, it gets a bit tricky. So and you know, if I had more vineyards, I'd have to work harder. Yeah, no. Nah, we'll just keep it as it is. Nothing's broken, so nothing to fix.
1: Perfect. Now I think you guys are drinking too. Yeah, please drink. Well I'm I'm finished three of mine. Um, and I'm talking, so you've got no excuse. Um the wines, Chardonnay. Let's talk about it.
0: Chardonnay. Okay, so this vineyard uh, is uh, just in basket range. It's a it's a friend of mine's vineyard uh, called Jasper Buttons. Um, he's got a uh, a little winery called of Buttons. Um, you know, he's sort of hardcore natural winemaker, amazing in the vineyard, biodynamic, uh, and lets me have a little section. Um, and uh, so. Uh, I just picked this quite early. It's actually the, the, the Champagne Clone. Um, what's it called again? Uh,
1: champagne Clone, I think.
0: Champagne Clone, yeah. It's a number like DC, I can't remember. Um, but a beautiful little vineyard. And uh, yeah, just sort of pick it early, um, crush it, leave it on skins for about a day. Day and a half depends what, you know, if I'll do it. If it's late in the afternoon, I'll leave it and do it the next morning. Um, and yeah, just press it straight to an old uh, pungent, put it on the sun, let it ferment naturally, lots of batonnage. And uh, the batonnage I love, because I pick quite early and there's that you know, racing acidity, the stirring the leaves, which is batonnage, it, it creates other tertiary elements in the wine, it also helps the yeast you know, be flocculated so they, they go dry. Um, but it also creates this sort of creaminess on the mid-palate. So you have that juxtaposition of sort of racing acidity and this sort of creaminess, and um, so, yeah, I don't know, hopefully complexity. Um, but uh, what, what do you think? Is it all right? The Are you happy with the chablis? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> delicious.
0: Yeah. So I love Chablis, you know, and, uh, and I love Beaujolais. So all my reds, I just try to make my like Beaujolais, all my whites and uh, that's it. Quite simple. it's yeah. <laughs> a nice rule, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. The Riesling. Uh, Riesling. Okay, this is a little vineyard, um, which I. This is also Adelaide Hills. This is Adelaide Hills. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's on the southern section. It's a, it's one acre planted on its own on ironstone, um, and uh, a, you know a beautiful VSP uh, uh, vertical shoot positioning vineyard, um, and it's it's just gorgeously. I don't know, it's like a textbook vineyard, just perfect little bunches, little beautiful leaves. You know, it doesn't really have a problem with disease as much. It's on this hill, the winds sort of clean it up. Um, but again, you know, there's a little bit of a tritus now and then, but I pick it pick it again early. So there's that racing acidity. Um, and then uh, again, you know, crush it day, day and a half, depending on afternoon or morning. Press it straight to old bricks in the sun. Stir the lees, you know, same thing, get it dry. But what happens is that when the next one, the Gewurz, I bottled that earlier in the year, so I, I, I rack out the, the clear juice, the lees of the Gewurz are still on the bottom, and I put the Riesling on top of the Gewurz lees, give it one little stir, and uh, that's that sort of crazy character that I find you get on the nose.
1: So, most people here maybe don't know that there's a really long history and heritage. see, you've used the uh, the word that we're here for um, of Riesling in um, in South Australia. Did you grow up drinking those wines, or were you impressed by those wines? Did they leave an impression on you? Is that that because that that looks like to me a pretty um, characteristic South Australian Riesling style, barring that little sure sort of aromatic.
0: Exactly. Well, uh, it is. I mean, you can you can really see how um, you know. The variety sort of sings through. I mean, what, the way I make it is so different from, you know, the textbook 101 way to, that most people make Riesling in the region. Um, hence, I put it in a Burgundy bottle just to say uh, it's, you know, it's a bit fucked up, you know. So, but, um, but you know, I just love that 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 acidity of uh, Riesling and the way it develops. You know, you get these lovely, gorgeous, sort of kerosene, petroleum characters as they, they they age with time and. Um, they go through a weird little adolescent period where, you know, they're all knees and elbows. Um, I think he's just heading into there now, but, you know, in five years it'll just be this incredible complex, um, yeah, re- re- just amazing. You know, And how's your little, you know, your little saliva glands pulsing? You know, it just gets you. And, ta- and you know, that time on skins, um, that, um, you know, I love that little, that sort of chalky, pear-skin grip that you just get. It just holds that acid there and... It's a bit of mouthfeel. It's you know, it's,
1: it's not just a <coughs> in and out. Yeah, it's the right amount of astringency. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> the alcohol levels. What a, um, interesting, um, question there, Tim. Twelve point four. Get your pens out. Twelve point two. This is one to six, by the way. 11.0, Twelve point two. Eleven point two. Twelve point two. Are they accurate, mate, or do you just make those up? Yeah, just made them
0: up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're spot on, because, you know, when you export, they're right on here. You. You've got this little window you have to do within. So, yeah, no, I love to bullshit that. No, not, no, no yeah, not, 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 not so much.
1: There. Yeah. No. And the uh, weird berries in the, woods weird in the woods. Just talk about the name.
0: Right. Okay. Well, so you've got some
1: pretty sexy names, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You got the Duncan Savage um, disease.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, plus five the <laughs> This guy. Um, he. That's that. That's him, that little image there, is uh, you know like about four mm by about ten mil on the back of my amp. And um, I just took a photo of it, gave it to my mate. He does my labels and. What about that idea? And that's the thought process going kind of that. But the uh, the next one, Kids of the Black Hole Riesling, uh, it's a song by a band called Adolescence, amazing punk band from San Diego in the 80s, just a really cool song, uh, it's named after that. And uh, Weird Berries in the Woods is a Dead Kennedy song. And the lyrics are, uh, I eat weird berries in the woods, now I'm seeing colours, I'm getting higher, I think I'll start a forest fire. And uh, so, yeah, just really cool band, the Dead Kennedys. A punk band from the state of California as well.
1: Cocaine's a hell of a drug, yes. Wow. <laughs> Good times. Um,
0: so, uh, yeah, and, and this Gewurz vineyard, uh, so the guy that I worked for in the 90s in the vineyards, um, we plant, it's his vineyard, but I, I personally planted this vineyard in 1999. Um, and then, yeah, just got a little section of it. Uh, and the way I managed the canopy is uh, all this is normally, you know, vertical shoot positioning, sort of nice even ripening. My little rose, I let the, let the canopy sprawl, so it actually encourages uneven ripening, because I want some berries to have that Gerbertsy, ripe, you know, light cheese, sort of bath salt character, but I also want that natural acidity, so some berries that are, you know, still almost just gone through the or if still have not, you know, just to... And the picking decision of that is, you know, a small little window, it's the first thing we pick, um, and uh then yeah again you know crush it one or two days on skins and press it straight to old uh, french briques in the sun bit of a stir and uh, basically do everything you shouldn't do to make an aromatic white um so it's the opposite uh, nice hot ferment full solids um but to knock the Gewurz character out of Gewurz is almost impossible um but you know i mean it's shit. it's that, that's pretty aromatic, gewurz and that, but what I'm trying to do here, picking it early, it's it's not a big oily sort of Alsatian, I mean, selling Gewurz is not easy, but um, I've sort of, in Australia especially, people now, you know, it sells beautifully because they know it's, you know, it's, it's crisp and clean and, you know, has a talc little texture, but has, you know, um, these lovely aromatics and, um, yeah, just, you know, Gewurz-tramatis, I don't
1: know. The varietal character doesn't actually get in the way of the wine in, in that sense?
0: No, no. You just can't knock it out. Yeah. 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 It's just a cool sounding varietal. So basically.
1: how many how many wines are you making these days?
0: Uh, 19 different just, labels. Just the 19? Just the 19, <laughs> yeah, which is stupid. But you get, uh, you know, it's like uh, young Craig, you know, uh Salonga, you get, just get excited. You get intimate with certain barrels and you're like, shit, I can't blame that away. That's fucking amazing. So. I'll bottle that on its own, and as you go on through the years, suddenly you're like, oh, I've got 20 wines, cool.
1: Uh, travelling with those opening them up at the shows must be awesome.
0: Man, it sucks, because, say, uh, you know, I do two releases, so that's 10 wines in a release, so walking around, say, Sydney with a box of, you know, 10 wines, it's it's not good. You know, it's, I'm a small frame guy, and I get tired, <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, yeah, but you do, you know, at least... You know, it's it's the same thing. If no one else wants to buy the wine, I'll, I'll drink it. So at least I've got a few different things to sort of choose <laughs> to, So, um, but yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah. No more. No, i have sort of actually going to think about dropping a few. Cause, you
1: know, oh really?
0: I think about it. What, what's, just, on the, what's on the dropping block, right? But you do get intimate with these barrels. You're like, uh, but some of them are like, what, what you know, 300 bottles, and and you know. For example, those little days, you know, obviously jack the price right up because uh, of supply and demand. And uh, But, you know, the United States might get two dozen, the UK might get two dozen, uh, Japan one dozen, Norway one dozen, you know, you sort of split the little pie up. So, you know, it's quite, I don't know, it just creates something quite unique and special. Um, so there's a couple of those, um, but yeah. There's
1: 602 bottles produced, and how many did we pour today? Do we know? About 24. That's a big percentage, mate. You've just well, oh, th- thanks very much, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I can't sell it. That's the <laughs> uh, no, that's the other thing. You know, they have small little lots. They, you know, they sort of trickle out, and uh, yeah, just um, creates a nice little kaleidoscope of flavours and. Um, you know, and, and and you know that's one little vineyard that you know I just want to sort of keep separate. Um, and I've got another Chardonnay, which is you know another vineyard. So I sort of you know there's a lot of single vineyard sort of action going along here. Until yeah, then we get to the next one, which is not. So, yeah. Well, let's I'm, I'm let's alive. talk about the
1: next one. Okay. the the reds. Um, so what's, what's the overarching, you said Beaujolais your sort of, the, the thing in the back of your head or in right. the front of your head or Yeah, what? yeah, I do,
0: I do, you know, love do you know, it. Smash
1: do- some um, morgon like every morning during harvest just to get your eye in or? Well
0: I did the other day at Artie's uh,
1: so, yeah. <laughs> so 5.30 in the
0: morning, these guys, every Thursday uh, So how about planning, Artie? So let's have a big barbecue the night before a bra uh, and then, oh yeah, let's have a Breakfast the next morning at five in the morning, uh, but you know Makes but it, sense. remember like the night before it was a big pisser. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> still you know five o'clock these guys get up every I think it's a what, first Thursday, uh, and cook this gorgeous breakfast over you know watching the sunrise at Artie's place, just magnificent. And you know eggs, you know toast, and those sausages that you have in this country are incredible. Voss. Voss, amazing. But I've never had a uh, Foyard Cote de Pea. tastes so good. Like, I just got a little, you know, about that much, but it was, my God, the best matching ever.
1: It's very, very wine-friendly. Yeah, of, yeah, uh, so food.
0: breakfast wine. I do like breakfast wine. It goes yeah. with beer
1: as well, and brandy and coke, yeah. uh, and, and <laughs> most things actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so this little guy, texture like sun. Yes. So you know the, the band The Stranglers, anyone? And the song, golden brown texture like sun. There you go, almost one. Uh, yeah, so it's um, an amazing song. Uh, it was actually my wedding waltz with my, you know, wife. I didn't tell her it was about heroin actually until after. So. Anyway, <laughs> but a beautiful song. Um, but uh, texture like sun, uh, and I put it. Look at this label. Like, can you read? I can't even read. Like. I can't read the back. It's so illegal. This but, um, um this
1: um, bottle at the back says this is bottle number 284 and 285 of 300. <laughs> yeah. there's, and there's about 600 ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Fucking bottlers, man. <laughs> anyway. Uh,
1: it's got your name I'm on the label, mate. It's your problem. I'll
0: take that and smack some heads when I get home. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, texture Light like Sun, so this, this label, uh, Bright Yellow, on the PDF, you know, it got approved joyously, no worries, but in real life, you know, one classic mistake that any graphic designer will say, never put yellow on white, and anyway, did that.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, But Texture Light like Sun, so this is this is a, an ex- basically an exercise in just trying to create something delicious, you know, nothing more, nothing less, um, and it's a mixture of, uh yeah let me remember: uh, Gamay, Pinot Noir, Grenache, Syrah, Fragola, Frigola, uh, Gewürztraminer, Riesling, Chardonnay. And is that nine? I don't know. It wasn't
1: I wasn't counting. I wasn't supposed. To, I, didn't know I was
0: supposed to count. Pinot So yeah, it's just a, and it's just I. It's one of the greatest little uh, blending exercises that I have sort of after harvest. And basically, I just lock my little winery up so no one get in. Um, get my mind into the right position and then uh, put on a, say, a Joy Division record or something. And, and just, uh, and I've got this cool my, dimmer on my lights, so I get the lights low. Uh, and then just crawl around the barrels and just taste and, and then you know try to put a puzzle together. And this is the end result of something that is just, you know, I mean, have a crack. Everyone have a crack.
1: Yes, cheers to you. <laughs> cheers, <as> everybody. Anyway. <laughs> uh,
0: and uh, i got to say, great to be here. Fucking amazing crazy place it's not the worst crazy place in, in the world is it <laughs> no
1: um, so when you're crawling around amongst the barrels in dim lighting to um, joy division um, are you just are you just blending just everything that you did put in bottles is that the is it the I'm, bar i'm here, just or? finding
0: little barrels that you know i think Shit, that'll go well or that that wine actually that's a pino that's probably not going to work as well in my little Pinot blend, but that would look really well in that. And there's there's certain elements, you know, it's the more peppery, spicy, um, stalky characters that go into this. And, and the ones that will just, once they sort of join together, will create something that is, you know, lifted and delicious and, um, you know, one of those wines that bottle's just empty, you know, and you just see bottles empty, glasses empty, and... And the other great thing is that because they're very low-sulfur, there's no nasties in there. They're, you know, it's just grape juice. Um, you know, you can drink a Magnum yourself. Can't remember going to bed. But when you wake up in the morning, no hangover, nothing, no fuzz. You Hot to try. You know, hot to try. Yeah. 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 So I might have done that for a reason because of lifestyle.
1: So... A field blend are these things interplanted, or is it really just more of a like no, a a I keep, blend? I can't
0: keep them all separate, so right. hence it's it's not a field blend as such. It's, yeah. I call it a uh, a sector red, um, okay, like okay. yeah. right that. No, I don't understand. I just it, it, it yeah, right, okay, yeah,
1: yeah great, red. excellent, um, good
0: work. And uh, yeah, just it's just uh, you know it's a, a little delicious little gay red, yeah.
1: You're on this, um,
0: I'm very in touch with my sexuality, I mean, darling. I know yes. I'm
1: a good-looking man, but I didn't realise I had that effect.
0: You do, darling, you do. Thanks, so. yeah.
1: Now this syrup, next, that was the first one I drank because it was so delicious, but it, it didn't deserve to be in the glass, it deserved to be in me. Gotcha. Um, yeah. talk to me about it.
0: Okay, so this, uh, is a, a little vineyard, um, this guy I met who was prepared to go farming organically. Um, it's a south-facing Adelaide Hills, so very cold, you know, one of the coolest climate little Syrahs probably in South Australia. And it's the last thing I pick, even though it's only 11.2% alcohol, it's, it's uh, you know, it's very, um, yeah, sort of slow ripening, um, and it's 100% whole bunch. There's one little row at the end, which is Viognier, so it's about 2% Viognier. And uh, yeah, I just pick it in my little fermenters, half-ton ferments, jump on them in the sun let them do their things, and then just slowly test them as, you know, the sort of ferments kick off. And I'll I'll, I'll basically never press anything that's dry. You know, it's generally still fermenting. Um, Why is that? Uh, just, just I don't want things to get really extracted and dry. And, and my my cap management is basically I just use my hands. Wet the cap. There's no pump overs. There's no plungers.
1: So as the alcohol goes up, the extraction increases.
0: Uh, yeah, well, you, you know, you, it's like a tea bag. You know, you you know the longer you leave it in there, you, you know, you're extracting more tannins and um, flavours. You know, probably. I left it there longer making out of wine but uh, you know I'm always thinking about that holiday you know get it in <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, be, no, no, but you know I, I find that, you know when you when you do really under extract uh, certain varieties and um, you know you, you get these more pretty nuances you know they're, they're, there's a lot more aromatics and florals and um, you know th- th- this is characteristic often of uh, white pepper and and um, and, you know, very un-Australian, this sirrah—they're very, very, very un-Australian. Very
1: new Australian. New yeah.
0: Australia, that's right, yes. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, they, they sort of little northern rainy characters sort of pop in there. Hmm. Uh, but again, that sort of Beaujolais influence. And drinkability, you know, everything's got to have drinkability because, you know, once again, you know, we're, we're you know, winemakers, we, you know, some of us have some, you know, issues with ego, some guys that I know. But uh, tell you what, there's none here. These guys are fucking amazing. That was a uh, but event. I got a couple of cats back home that like, hey, I wine. I'm pretty fucking amazing. Um, but you're not. You know, you're just making a drink, dickhead. Uh, so <laughs> that's what we have to keep in mind. Um, drinkability is what it's all about. And uh, you know, hopefully, you know, again, you know, no one likes it. I like it. I'll drink it with my dad. I'll, I'll drink it also, mate. Okay,
1: so, yeah, cool. let's get loaded. Yeah, right. yeah. Let's let's. I've drank mine already. Um, okay, and the Fugazi, was this, I mean, this is where it all started?
0: Fugazi, yes, the, the first one. Um, and
1: uh, The first one last.
0: Yeah, first one last, yes. And Grenache, uh, you know, it's from McLarenville. These vineyards, so this was planted in 1947, um, dry-grown on ironstone, so you can imagine that tap root, how deep that's going in, pulling up nutrients and minerals. and You know, they, they, these vines are you know, like I said, just beautifully healthy and photosynthesizing gorgeously. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, in the ripening period, they're they're, they're not just, you know, dehydrating and and sugars are going up through dehydration. They're they're phenolically ripening, the tannins are ripening, and the flavors are ripening. And um, there's small berries, small bunches. um, So there is some concentration. Uh, One, so, you know, this guy, Gary, who I work with, one problem is he's been selling this wine, these grapes, to other people for years, and when I'd come in and say, oh, okay, let's pick it Tuesday, and he's like, whoa, whoa, it's not ready to us, like another month. And I'd just say, mate, I'm just making rosé. Just making rosé, don't worry about it. You just leave it to me. And often a lot of these growers initially had to say I was making rosé because they were surprised at my early picking decision, but what I want to do is capture that, you know, those red bullets and that. That energy and that I don't mind green tannins you know to me that gives energy and and um you know persistence and so this little bit now it's a uh, I, I, I pick it generally in one lot I think this year I picked it in two lots so what, sick, what
1: sort of date are we looking at in terms of uh, uh picking dates yeah sort of this mid minute.
0: early march early, early march, march okay. yeah and um yeah sort of pick it bring it back home some in these little half ton fermenters i will uh, whole bunch, just jump on them. Um, some I do proper carbonic maceration, um, you know, which is just wrapping bunches up and there's an enzymatic fermentation from within and you get these other crazy estuary characters, which are just another component. Some old will stem so, you know, get it, getting the berries off the stalks. Some old will stem and put the stalks back in. And that those little fermenters that go, and I keep everything separate, go straight into old barriques. That's why I'm not big on food, because I like, I like keeping everything separate. So, you know, I have these little a plethora of uh, ingredients to put the blend together and and what I find with this you know de-stemming and putting the stalks back in you get this sort of umami sort of bouillon you know chicken stocky character and um, so all these components I'm just hedging my bets doing everything I can to sort of create complexity and then they all generally is going together but um, uh, I have a taste to see what's going on nice one well we'll join you because
1: uh, I've got none left but hopefully is there any more? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, you know, just, just really spicy, delicious, um, and in balance. Grenache, you know, it was used a lot with fortifieds in, in, in Australia and was often picked uh, quite right, um, but it doesn't hold its alcohol well in, in balance. Um, like my first vintage 2008, when I went out in the market to sell it, because for, uh, Grenache was very, you know... Uh, Grenache, you know, it's a sort of, you know, make Grenache. Um, and uh, I, I just love it because, you know, of that Beaujolais characteristic. And, and uh, I did discover this wine called Reyes um, just before that. So I sort of was like, yeah, I'll try to make some Reyes. Obviously, nowhere <laughs> near it. Uh, but, you know, just try to emulate that style. And um, yeah, Grenache, just, I don't know, it, it, it was, you know, when I went out there in the market, to sell it, they were like, oh, Grenache, you know, we just can't sell it. You know, why don't you, why don't you add a bit of Shiraz to it? Um, you know, Grenache Shiraz, or, or just make it mainly, why don't you just make Shiraz? Yeah. And so I stuck to my guns anyway. just happened to be that, you know, the change in the market, the Sommeliers were suddenly interested in, you know, certain different varieties and certain styles and... Um, you know, this natural wine movement came along, and we sort of just got swept up in it. So we're very lucky. We're very lucky with the press, and you know, lots of good write-ups. And so Grenache is back in the game.
1: That's yeah. an interesting segue. I was going to actually ask you about that as well. Like the transition of, um, of Australian wines being quite. I mean, it, it's it's mirrored here uh, a little bit in the, in the in the in the in the way that the the and the uh, the revolution and the, and, the, and the SIP is has, has has helped transform the. Um, the reputation of, of South African wine internationally. You guys have been doing that for Australia um, independently. Um, how did that come about? What's your What's your feelings on that? Have you got have you got sort of more thoughts on that, or I, did I, you just go go along for the ride and just try and hang on?
0: Yeah, just sort of. It, uh, you know, I suppose when you start small, and uh, you know, I mean, wine making it's a It's a combination of, you know, art and science, really, and you know that. As you, when you first start, I suppose you're a bit more, you know, fresh out of uni, you're a bit more science, you don't have that experience, you, you know, you, but as as you get on in your, in your life as a winemaker and, you know, travel around the world and you, you get a bit more experience, things become a bit more automatic in that, say, you know, the building blocks of winemaking and, and the, the artistic expression, you know, scratching that creative itch becomes more important. And then when you do have your own label, so when I started at a coat of barrels, you know, you, 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 you. The same thing goes, you know, with uh, you know the different varieties and the styles, and and you you, you know you know sort of market you know a little bit, and you and you sort of give it a crack, and, and it, I think what happened was that, in a way, you know, we sort of created the market. Um, because things get so fucking boring, you know, like, wine's pretty boring. I'm pretty bored right now.
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh, but, you know, just fucking wine, you know, talking about it. It's boring, is it? you know. And the styles of, um, you know, the, the old school, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong about, you know, I'm not putting down the old, old school guys. Um, but, you know, there's room for everyone and they, these new sort of, um, I suppose, expressions. And, you know, you can see it in the new Australia, the young wine that have gone out there and give it a crack. Um, and, you know, and definitely in the, the New South African winemakers, you know, they're, they're working with different varieties, they're, you know, they're so much more focused on, you know, the, going back to how it's grown and, you know, making these wines that are representing these little patches of dirt and, and just giving out a crack. And, and obviously, you know, there's a community in the world, uh, in the wine, that where you get influenced, you know, like, um, you know, you, you, you meet people you know, like, like Tom from Matassa, you know, years ago, and you try the lines, but, oh, fuck, yeah, and that, that has an influence on you and decisions you make and ways you believe and, uh, you know, like, you know, Craig or, you know, Artie, uh, you know, those guys, again, you know, influenced things that we do in Australia and, and I've I got to say, in Norway, a couple of years ago, when I met uh, uh, all, all the Safi boys, um, there was, like, this big tasting and it was, like, uh, I remember there's Tom at the end, and And then there was all the South Africans. And people were like, you know, crowded around South Africans. And I was the only Australian and crowd around and they just go pop and miss me. And then go the French guys. I was like, fucking It incredible that, you know, the Swatland guys had this thing going on, you know. So Maybe I
1: mean, you shouldn't have a shave, mate.
0: Could be, yes, that's <laughs> right. Not
1: have that look like, uh, like it.
0: Yeah, it was weird. But uh yeah, so but um yeah, so I don't know where we're
1: going now. No, no. no. Um, and just um, two more uh, sort of prods by me, and then we'll open it up to questions. So if you can start getting them, the roving mics, and uh, very, very fast, Craig and Jasper can uh, assist, hopefully. Um, first question is sort of, um, just heard this morning from Donovan and Jasper and Gerfin and um, and Carly about uh, they all started around about the same time as you did, more or less, in terms of their own own brands. Yeah. Um, so, how much how much of your production are you selling within Australia, and how much are you exporting? Uh, uh, yeah, we
0: right? I mean, we we've got more of a, a demand in Australia and more of a market. So, I, set, I used to export about half, the other half stay in Australia. Now, I keep probably about two thirds in Australia, and just export a half. Um, <laughs> uh, no, That's some good maths. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Hang on, mate.
1: Yes. So business is going well. Um, yeah. Sorry. A third. Just, just third. Really I keep, keep in Australia. Yeah. Um,
0: and just just the fact that uh, you know my uh, you know in Australia they're like man you, you know we get your wine sells out and then we don't get it and you know you've got it going in you know different countries and you know try to you know keep more so I kept more in Australia. Plus they pay earlier you get more money you know you gotta
1: you get more money in australia than you do export yeah how does that work just charge them more. yeah right yeah. suckers yeah. That's
0: right. now we've got you know good tax incentives um and uh um and also you know exporting wine could be a head buck you know they're like yeah yeah we'll take that pallet you know and then you know three months later you're gonna take that pallet you know you know and sitting there and they dick you around for months and so this way, I've sort of just sorted out my little export markets, the good ones. The dickhead ones can fuck off and uh, just keep it in Australia. And then I don't have to travel as much because, you know, I've got a young family and, um, and you know, years of, you know, abuse on the liver and brain cells, you know, like, uh, it's just it, home it, hurts, is good for that, yeah. it hurts, man. It hurts, yeah. Hence, I went early. I did a ghosting last night. Yeah, I feel bad not, that I didn't get on the source with the boys, but...
1: You're not getting away so hell like, hell, man. I just,
0: it, This is relentless, you know. You're, you have no idea how hard these young guys work when they're overseas. They're out so late every night South Africa. And uh, then up again the in the morning, South Africa. They're working hard on the source, so killing their livers, killing their brain cells for you guys. So they're going to be proud of these boys, you know?
1: The sacrifices they're, they're making, just yeah.
0: They're not all like uh, like Artie Barton horse mate, where they can do it until they're going to be a hundred. Like, <laughs> let me tell you, it's going to hurt one day, boys. Just take it easy. But <laughs> that Artie, he can do it forever. Like, let me tell
1: you. But, uh, yeah. So you don't feel this? I um, mean, we were talking about this morning about um, like a, a cap on price pressure. That that's. I mean, you found your 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 niche or your your pricing yeah, pretty yeah. early on, and has sort of kept with it more or less. Yeah, or?
0: we're not. I mean, we're not cheap. You know that. You know,
1: because of the. Um, so average seller door. price... Is
0: about forty bucks. $40. Um, yeah, I mean this this guy's eighty bucks. Uh, those to forty bucks. If that was a so time by ten to get to
1: round,
0: by the way. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, and, and so then when you export, compare, you know, like being in, uh, you know, price wise, competing with South Africa, you, you just can't. So. Um, you, yeah, you know, you just don't sell as much overseas, I suppose. And, um, What's it, yeah? Hopefully, you know, they, they buy the bullshit and, you
1: know, I don't know. Is that what you're selling? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Excellent. Well, um, before we take questions, maybe just a little round of applause for Taris and his wines. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for... Um Coming. I can't believe actually people are up so early and this room was full, uh, you know, in the morning session as well. It's uh, such a, it's amazing, you know, it's, it's an amazing event, really well organised and uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel honoured to, I don't know why I was invited, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but do feel honoured. Great yeah, one to drink the
1: wines, I think, that yeah. was it. And
0: yeah. good times. Good